Welcome to the Elevate podcast, brought to you by the Registered Master Builders. Each week we explore the ideas and practices that help us get the best from our businesses, our teams, and ourselves. I'm your host, Ryan Castle. We talk to experts, advocates, and business owners in the construction industry to share their knowledge, insights, and experiences to help you build a better business and enjoy a better life. Now let the business building begin. David Martin, great to have you on the Elevate Master Builders podcast today. We're going to be talking all things Apprentice of the Year. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me today. Nice to be here, Ryan. You're welcome. Enjoying it. Fab. Alrighty. Is this the first podcast for you, gentlemen? Yeah, I didn't, it is. I didn't even know what podcast meant until about three years ago. There we go. It's better you, isn't it? Yeah, look, this could be a whole new career for the both of you. But uh, yeah, <laughs> thanks, guys. We're hoping so. The bodies are a bit better and worn. Yeah, yeah, a few joints wearing out, too many uh, jumping up and down off sore stools. Is that, is that the problem, Martin? Definitely, yeah. 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 Yep. Having uh, come from a construction family, I uh, I saw my dad uh, go through a bit of a battered body from a life in construction, but uh, he's got some new plastic bits now, so he's moving pretty well. I found the perfect solution. I went to a yoga class yesterday and sort of stumbled in and uh, left the class wanting to go for another walk afterwards. It felt really good. So there you go. There's a solution. Well done. Good man. All right. I, so many places we could take that conversation, but I think we'd better get back to uh, apprentice, apprentice of the Year. Uh, make sure I don't end up with any uh, personal grievances from the podcast. Guys, maybe let's uh, start off. Interested, I'll come to you, uh, Martin, first. How long have you been involved with the Apprentice of the Year? Way back 2004, we, uh, at the persistence of one of our Wellington members on the executive, John Hanna, he said, we need to be doing something for the apprentices. And the Apprentice of the Year competition was born. Uh, I happened to be, we were lucky to be the president that year, and we had um, our first um, competition and event. Um, the competition didn't have a practical component at that stage, and that's something that was introduced later, and it's made the competition uh, a lot stronger, I think. Fabulous. And Dave, how about you? I've been involved uh, 16 years, so that would have been uh, 2007, I suppose it would have been, that I came on board at a regional level, and then uh, when the opportunity came to advance the competition into nationals, I moved into the role of um, practical coordinator for the um, nationals. Later on, they decided to bring the practical into the regionals, and that carried on with the same group of practical coordinators. Great. And we'll talk more broadly about the process that's involved with uh, competing in Prince of the Year. But while we have you there, Dave, tell us about the practical component, what's involved there. So the practical component, I can't talk about this year's, obviously, because no one knows about it yet. Uh, but let's talk about two years ago, which was the last one we did. It was a mud kitchen and the apprentices do a six and a half hour practical challenge and they're given drawings and instructions to follow to achieve uh, hopefully an end result. And how, how were the results that year? Were most of the kitchens in the right order and were with the cabinetry pointing in the right direction? Martin's probably better to answer that. As far as I was concerned, they were completed. Uh, Martin does the judging, not me. <laughs> it's a very it's a very interesting thing because you can look up, look down the rows, so all the entries are side by side. And and the and the entrants are under quite a bit of pressure. There's the especially there's a time pressure. Uh, you know, they've got to be finished the, the, the project in a certain time frame. And then there's a the pressure of having people like me walking around with a clipboard or, or supporters that come down and cheer the boys on. So uh, when you look down the, down the row, sometimes you, you can see sort of, you can see the progress overall. And uh, I think it would be fair to say that 
every year we've had the practical component. Not everybody has completed it. Uh, usually the winners are there or about. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of spread out through the, through the entrance, I guess, to what level they get to. Sure. So maybe, uh, Martin, can I ask you to give us a bit of an overview of the competition at large? Um, sure. who, who enters, what's involved, what process do they go through, et cetera? Yeah. Okay. So obviously it's for apprentices. Um, when the competition was first started, we, we wanted to encourage uh, young people in the industry. So we had an age restriction of 23 years. Um, and that's been changed. One of the reasons that has changed is that uh, what's ha- happened over the last few years is that you know the, the traditional apprentices used to come from the end of an unsuccessful fifth form or whatever at school and, and were not were not academic or whatever. Um, nowadays they're coming from a broad range of ages and sectors and sometimes have come with uh, you know with university degrees or, or many years in another career. We've had um, one female apprentice who was uh, came from the forex room. She was a money dealer, and wow. went for a change of career. Didn't match the pay, unfortunately, but she enjoyed the practical experience on site. But um, so uh, you know, so it's open to to um, older older people now. What what are we at this year, Dave, for the age restriction? Uh, age restrictions been lifted. Um, last oh, two years ago, it was uh, maximum thirty, but now it's um, completely open. Yeah, so it'll, it'll be interesting because obviously, you know, older people with a little bit of a few more life skills possibly have a little bit of an advantage there perhaps in, in those life skills, but we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Yeah, just to, add, just to add to that, I mean, we're not just residential apprentices entering, it's commercial and um, residential. And interesting, a, a few years back, uh, people were commenting it's a disadvantage to commercial builders to enter their apprentices into the competition. And that particular year, uh, commercial took out first, second and third. So I don't think there's any advantage or disadvantage whether you're a residential or commercial builder. So coming back to to the early early um, Apprentice of the Year competitions that started, so when we got into a national competition, um, there was pressure of time and, and what time that competition to run. So the format used to be that the apprentice would enter a local competition and and win their regional competition and then come through to nationals. And the uh, judging was based on a project or a submission that each apprentice put forward on a project that they had worked on and then a 40-minute interview with the judging panel. And uh, we've had some really... uh, Great experiences meeting some of these guys, and it's got some very funny stories. And perhaps a couple of them I can't tell, but the um, uh, through through that process. But um, so you relied heavily. Going back to that, you relied heavily on these two ways to pick one from the other, and it was felt by guys like Dave, I guess, or that, and, and a lot of people that if we introduced a practical component, we'd get a much better, broader look at the apprentices' skills, and you know, outside everything else it is a competition for boys to demonstrate the skills and and the skills they're learning in the industry so this is pretty important and what it did in terms of judging is it gave us we we found we're looking far more for an all-rounder than someone who was perhaps really strong in the interview or very strong in the submission 
um, when you get into the actual final part of the competition and the practical, we, we're really seeing what they're like and their decision-making processes in a building situation. And it's been fantastic, Dave, don't you think? Yeah, I do. And, and, and the practical was brought into the national before it was brought into the regionals. Um, and, and when they saw the success of having a practical at the national level, um, the the industry felt that it was necessary to include that into the regionals to get, again, that all-round apprentice or all-round builder um, right going right through from the start of the competition to you get up to your nationals. So just to understand the entry format, so they the apprentices, they do an entry for their regional. They go through a submission and interview process at a regional level as well. So, right? so the, pro- the process is they enter the competition, they get judged by a separate set of judges for their um, submission and a practical competition. The top 10 from each region then go on to the interview and the site visit. And the winner over that then goes through to the nationals. Fantastic. Okay. Understand. And Dave, when you're putting together these practical challenges, what are the things that you're considering in putting them together? Are you, are you just plain mean? Or are you, are you actually got a broader approach? I'll be like that. <laughs> First and foremost, we have to find somebody that wants the projects because we don't want to be doing the projects and finding there's no home for them. So uh, the first two or three years that we did the Nationals, we were building Wendy houses and they were going to the likes of kindergartens, et cetera. And then when the old health and safety started getting a little bit more serious, um, we then had to get a little bit more serious with what we were building so that we complied with the health and safety of the recipients that were going to get the project. So what we do is we decide who's going to get the project. So we approach a kindergarten or daycare organisation and say, are you interested? If they are, we sit down with them and say, okay, what would you like? Because it's got to be beneficial to them. And um, they come back with um, some ideas of what they think will work. And then typically I usually sit down and then say, okay, it's not going to be quite like that because I've got to build it in six and a half hours. And so I put a sketch together, gets approved by uh, Master Builders and the uh, daycare centre. And before it goes to drawings, we build a prototype to make sure it can be built in the six and a half hours. And what I can say is that we failed this year on the prototype, which was getting it ready for last year, but COVID knocked that about and we didn't have it. So we're bringing it back this year. So when we re-looked at it for this year, we've tweaked it and we've done some of the build ready for the apprentices so that um, when they start the build, they have they have already started and therefore um, they should get completed in the six and a half hours. I'm, I'm so intrigued to find out what it is, but I know you can't reveal any any secrets, so we'll just have to wait until the uh, competition happens, see, see what goes. Yeah, um, I mean, I can refer back to the mud kitchen, and we did we, they, 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 we were going to build sand pits in the back of a truck, obviously all built out of timber or, or the like, and um, the kindergarten or the daycare centre came back and said, well, no, really, we've already got sand pits, it's no use to us. Um, so that's when they came and said the mud kitchen. So then we researched mud kitchens came up with some ideas we approached a couple of sponsors um, and said this is what we want to do so they had a kitchen on one side on the back side of it we did a water feature using um, gutters and downpipes put it all together 
Um, went to Auckland and built the prototype. Yep, we could do it in the time allocated. So, so we don't get any drawings done till we know that we can do it in that time because you, yes. you don't want to do drawings and throw them away. Um, so at that point, Carters have got a guy that does the drawings. He works for the um, Carters in their detailing area, um, but their computer can't do the drawing, so he actually does it on his home computer in his own time. Awesome. Um, and they're fantastic drawings that he um, that he does for us, actually. An interesting point to, to raise there, Ryan, is that at, at the end of the practical test, all the um, all the unfinished projects have to be finished for the function that night, and for the for the people that are uh, benefiting from them. So it's in Dave's interest that everybody gets it finished in time, because him and I and, and anybody else there all have to pitch in, plus the apprentices to get the ones that aren't finished finished. And I've got a very uh, critical question around the six and a half hour. Is there smoko and a lunch break in there, or is it just get in and get it done? Come on, it's a good time for the boys to uh, have to think about what they're doing. I think. So yes, there's a lot of stress in that six and a half hours, Dave, isn't there? Yeah, there is. So so the process for the national practical is we meet them the night before in a general chit chat. We go through as much of the health and safety as we can, and as much as the as we can about the general build, um, and then as part of health and safety and wellbeing, we have to we we've decided that we will give them two 20 minute breaks during that six and a half hours. Um, so they'll go for about two two and a half hours, have a break, two two and a half hours, have a break, and then go till they finish. And I imagine there's some uh, impressive amounts of energy in the room when, when people kick off and then you have someone that streaks ahead and gets something done quickly and they're looking like they're the, the horse out of the gate and then someone comes up with a different concept and follows and takes over the end. It must be very entertaining. It, it's interesting you say that. A few years ago, I can remember, so we have a, con- a construction area where the, the boys are building it. Uh, or it could be girls, I suppose, it's typically boys. And I'd hopped out to go on the public side and I looked back and I thought, flipping heck, one of those walls is higher than all the others. And I went up to the apprentice and I said, what's the height of your um, framing? He said, one metre. I said, you sure? And he went to go and grab his tape and he said, oh, shit, I've made all the studs one metre. So the, the wall was one metre and 90. So he took the top plate off, cut the... Yep. Studs all down and put the top plate back on. He ended up getting third at the nationals. Ah, oh, well done. This can be daily occurrences on site too, so it's real, real. Indeed. Things. And did you did you drop the good old uh, measure twice, cut once uh, on them? Oh, we we mentioned that in the night before, but we don't push it during the day because these guys are under under the pump. There's yep. no question of it. Yep. Um, they get their supporters there, and um, in past years we've even had some of the recipients come along with the the young kids and they're doing chants and they're yelling for a particular apprentice and they're almost competing against each other on the public side as to who can be the loudest for their apprentice. And it's a really good atmosphere. So good. It's like, it's like a sporting contest, right? It is. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, you, you sort of think back to, crikey, what was it like in our day and try and imagine yourself in that situation and, um, well, bloody hell, I wouldn't have been up to the standard you know, these some of these boys are, you know, they're, they're doing pretty well. Fantastic. And how many apprentices do we get uh, entering the competition, like at a regional level right across the country? How many typically do we get involved? So we're getting between 100 and 120. We have um, not long after the Christchurch earthquakes, um, we were getting up close to 150. Um, Canterbury, for a start, had about 40 just for, 
for to get their top apprentice into the regional. So uh, it has been up there, but um, I think for this year we we pre-packed 120 packs, and I think on the day with one or two off with COVID and what have you, I think we ended up with about 100. Mm-hmm. Um, we've only got eight in the nationals this year, so it's typically 10 regions, but two regions um, were too small, and so we've had to combine them with another region. And Dave, we turn our discussion to the the industry and the importance of apprentices. You know, what's what's your view on what apprentices bring to the industry? I've always said, and I always will, apprentices are the future of the industry, and there's no question of that. It doesn't matter where you put yourself and how you how you put yourself there. Us older guys aren't there forever in a day. Um, they're going to be the older guys later on, but now they are the future of the industry. That's where the industry's going, and we need them. For sure. And what would you be saying to construction company owners who maybe don't uh, have apprentices at the moment? What would you be suggesting to them? First question would be why? Why don't you have apprentices? I mean, do you not care about where the industry's going or the sector's going? People seem to think it's hard to have apprentices. And I've had apprentices for years. And um, so long as you educate them and work with them, um, they'll, they'll give you the reward back. And it might take a year, two years. I mean, I had one apprentice for eight years, but he finally got there and I congratulated at the end of him and I told him when he was halfway through, I said, you're not going to get out till I, I, I think you're a qualified tradesman. And I said, I'll push you till you get out. And he came back to me and he he, he thanked me because he, he was a couple of times there, he was ready to chuck it in. And I said, why? Just get finished, get the trade behind you, then do what you want to do. Have a muck around if that's what you want to do, but at least get something behind yourself. Great, uh, great advice. Martin, you got some there? Yeah, well, I, like Dave, I think I fully agree that apprentices are our future. And if you look at the calibre of some of these young guys that we've been lucky enough to see with the judging over many years, um, they are our future leaders and they're ambitious young guys. And, you know, if I, th- I think back to my starting time, I, I, I was just working in a job and enjoying the social aspects of life, but with, without the ambition that some of these boys are demonstrating from quite an early age. So that, that's to be admired and respected. In terms of business, um, my business currently employs 14 staff. Uh, of those 14, all but one have uh, either done their apprenticeship with us or are doing it, their apprenticeship. And over the uh, period of the last um 20 was it 23 24 years since 98 we've had 40 training agreements so that's provided our staff right right the way through that period i've never put a, a an advertisement in for staff and um through our work and our clients people have come to us and asked for apprenticeships and we've been able lucky enough to get some of those people and take them through i think we also lucky that we enjoy on the job, a sort of a, a, I guess, a supportive environment. So the boys are learning off each other, plus the older guys. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a bit of a sad uh, statistic in building, but apparently we've been told that in building businesses, um, one in 10 were training apprentices. And I, I can't really explain that, but I, I can say since the, this Labor government put um, an um, incentive in to train apprentices a couple of years ago, and the numbers went from something like 12,000 to 20,000 in training. 
So that was a, a great initiative to take the pressure off from employers who are worried about committing to a staff person, you know, or or committing to to the wages and things and getting some help. So that was a good catalyst to get more numbers in. But also, sure. I think um, the opportunities and things and building people deciding to see building a little bit differently as a career than perhaps they were. 30 years ago, you know, where the impetus was to get your kids into university. Now, nowadays, some kids are finishing at university and coming into building. Totally. So, yeah. I must, I must say that BCITO have done a, an awesome job over the last few years yeah. pushing the trades versus the university and, and that particular ad where the father's the accountant and his son wants to be a, a builder and he said, you're not, you're not going to be a builder, you're going to be an accountant. And he went and did his building and and the father and the finish had to accept there's going to be a building. There's nothing wrong with it. Oh, absolutely. And we can we all know uh, both of you have owned successful construction businesses, and we've seen plenty of uh, people as master builders that have created a great career and a great business. Um, not only from their commercial outcomes, but also the uh, sense of joy you get from from being involved in building, being able to stand back at the end of the day and look at the work that's been created. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, fantastic elements going on there. I'll just add one thing there. I mean, I mean, I look around Wellington and I look, oh yeah, I built that and yeah, I built that. But uh, the, the the other part of it is that most of these guys that are getting to the national level will have their own businesses as much as their current employees may not like it, they will be in their own business or they'll be up to site manager level, project manager level on a commercial site. Fantastic. I'm interested, guys, you've both been involved in the process for a long time. And on behalf of you know, the Master Builders community, thank you deeply for the contribution you've made, your you know, hundreds of volunteer hours. It's it's really an impressive commitment to, that you've done to the environment. Is there, is there a standout story? Was there an, an uh, particular awards that you're like, oh, boy, that, that brought me joy, that brought me tears, that made me laugh, that made me cry? What was, was what have you got? Let's, let's go to you, Martin. There were, there were two things that really stick in my mind, actually. The first year's competition, we didn't have practical, as, as I mentioned earlier. But um, we, with the contestants, we had one guy who was um, really experienced, but he was doing things, he was running the building company for his, for his employer while he was still an apprentice, which is, which is quite an unusual situation. And, um, and his submission and his interview were very good, but the guy that really shone through uh, in the competition was a guy who had built a kindergarten kindergarten down in central Otago and had been, I think it was the first boss's, the first job his boss had kind of let him loose on, but it was a pride in the uh, in the work and the submission that came through and uh, that, that carried him through to be that, that first competition, year's competition winner. Uh, the second thing was three or four years later and again from, from down in the Otago region, but it was a young Brazilian guy who um, who came to New Zealand with no English. He's a keen skier and decided he liked Queenstown, so he was going to stay. And he pestered and pestered one of the local building companies until they finally got him a job. But he learned his um, English on the building side. So in the in the so was it colourful English? Very colourful English in India. And I said, I had to stop. Well, mate, do you realise what you're saying? And he, he goes, I'm sorry, I learned my English on the building side. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious, but anyway, it was a good time. Brilliant, and Dave, for you? It's interesting. After we've done the practical, and um, at the moment it's only been the two of us, and we've always sat back and we've always looked at the various projects, and I can remember one particular year, and we were building a castle, 
and the castle had a parapet around the top which had shapes cut out for where you'd be typically standing with your rifle to shoot at the enemy. And uh, it, there was a quite specific layout for this parapet. Out of the ten, we had seven different designs and we were standing with a Waikato boy at the end and he said, how have I done? I said, it looks as if you've got yours perfect. I said, I've got one question for you. When you did the external, did you take the 18 millimetres off the front part of the parapet so that you got 150 by 150? He said, no. I said, okay, so you're the eighth different design that we've got. (laughs) Yeah. This is one other thing, Ryan, is that we've sort of made a point just letting the boys know that, you know, if you're getting, if you're building, let's say a Wendy house, for example, and there's, say, 20 different components, and if you've done a beautiful job of um, six of those uh, components but haven't touched the balance, then you can only get marked on the six. So whilst it's a competition, you know, there's a bit of pressure on the boys to to get things done in the time. If they if they concentrate on doing the things, the first lot of things to a, to a high degree, they're not going to get through all the other components, and that makes it quite hard for them to get the marks. Right. So if any boys are watching this at any stage, just remember you try and have a go at everything, and you'll get some marks in each category. But if you haven't touched it, there's no marks available. So yeah, it's been good nice. advice. And what other advice would you give today? So, you know, really, I guess that uh, speaks to the project management aspect of what they need to do, making sure they get it completed, even if every component is not perfect. Um, what else would you, what other advice would you give to them heading into the day? Well, firstly, I say great that you, you, you've decided to have a go and put yourself forward because people are looking at you and, and they're judging, judging you and scrutinising what you do. So that takes a bit of courage. That also says a little bit about the boys that are putting themselves forward into the competition. But um, I think overarching that, when they come to try to enjoy the day, to try and manage the pressure, it's pressure in all aspects of life these days. So when they're actually in that competition, they take take time to take a deep breath and and to read and understand what it is they've been asked to do. I think that's a, a key thing to getting through. Then, as I said, have a go at everything. Yep, go slow, go fast. Just to add to that, what we tell them is that don't rush into it, pace yourself. Um, You've got six and a half hours. Um, If you go hill for leather, um, you'll burn out after four hours. And and I've seen it. That's why we take the breaks. We tell them to take plenty of uh, water, have something to eat, get their energy levels up, pace yourself. And, and, And two years ago, we had two guys that were bolting ahead of everybody. And uh, it got to the second break. They had their second break. They came back and they hit the wall. And and purely they'd overcooked themselves in that first four to five hours. And in that last hour and a half, they struggled um, to to get motivated enough to get completed. So you got to pace yourself. It is a pressure cooker test and there's no doubt about it. Um, sometimes the apprentices will come back to us and say, well, does this meet the code? And we say, no, it doesn't necessarily have to meet the code. It's fit for purpose. Um, it's not a habitable uh, building that you're building um, or project. Um, and and just enjoy the day. Fantastic. And what is it that you guys enjoy about being involved in the in this uh, Apprentice of the Year? Yeah, Dave, we'll come to you first. The bit I enjoy the most is the young people 
putting themselves out there and having a go. And, and I can always remember my son, well, one of my sons is in the trade, and he went and represented New Zealand overseas, and he rang, me, uh, rang us up and said, I'm ready to come home. This is all bullshit. And I said, whoa, hold back. I said, complete it, come back. You can put on your CV that you represented New Zealand, um, and, and any employer looking at that is going to say, wow, he obviously knows his stuff. So, you know, put yourself out there, have fun, and, and I look back and I see what these guys are achieving and uh, think good on them. Fantastic. And Martin, what's what's been your enjoyment in being involved? A couple of things. When when the apprentices first get together, there's an immediate bond between the boys. And that goes right through to friendships following on from the competition, as, as I understand. So that's it's nice to see that. As an employer, I'm getting I'm quite one of the lucky ones, I suppose, because we, as I say, we've we've employed a lot of apprentices, but I'm also getting to see. Uh, from a judging, what's what levels the apprentices are at, and I guess the comradeship with the uh, with master builders and the staff and other volunteers that are doing doing the work behind the scenes is, is always good, and the involvement with carters has been uh, you know brought a lot of laughs and, and fun over the years as well. So you know, it's, we, Dave and I over many years have been involved in the Wellington Association. Um, I've done a lot of things with master builders. I've got to say, this is the one uh, thing that I'm involved in that brings the most um, most pleasure. Now, getting back to the old days on the disciplinary committee or something like that. Um, <laughs> this is fun. You see, you see yeah. our futures ahead of us, and it's yep. a great thing to be involved. I love it. And you're not allowed to use the cane in the uh, disciplinary committee anymore, eh? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and, and, and we couldn't even back when I started, but probably a few years before that you might have been able to. I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> the other thing to point out here is the support that the competitions had from Carters and from BCITO, and they've been there for the whole 19 years. There's been one or two others that have hopped on and hopped off, but Carters and BCITO have been absolutely behind this ever since it started in 2004. Brilliant. Yeah, great acknowledgement because uh, we know that things like this don't exist without contributions from those types of organisations. So uh, well said there, Dave. Yeah, and, and significant contributions too, Ryan. You couldn't you couldn't say enough about them, really. That's um, it's been fantastic, and it's always you know I've been a placemaker's customer for many years. <laughs> I enjoy meeting the Carters guys. They're great. <laughs> yeah, this might be the year that they turn you. Who knows? Yeah, they're, they're probably too. We'll see. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Um, Guys, we've got a, a underrepresentation of females in our industry. Um, I've you know had the pleasure of having some other people on the podcast that are looking to increase our gender diversity and bring more more females in. Um, do you know? Are there any female entrants in the in the awards this year in this the finalist awards? Uh, I, there's none in the nationals. There were some at the regionals. Um, we have in the past had two ladies enter. Uh, one was from Auckland, probably about, um, and the other one was from Nelson or the Upper South Island. So it would, uh, you know, encourage not only to get all of our apprentices to look to to enter, uh, but what we know is that particularly for more females to be involved in our industries, they need to see role models. They need to see other females in the in there doing doing things as well. So would encourage any of you that um, uh, if you've got any females listening to the podcast who might be thinking of maybe entering next year, um, don't just think about doing it for yourself, but think about the role modelling you can do for for others as well. 
Yeah, and the media pick up on it as well. That um, and the two two times we've had the females in there, the media have picked up on this, and uh, they, they get a, a bit of coverage for themselves, uh, which is good because um, there's no reason why a, a lady can't do the, exactly the same as a guy can do. Ryan, we've had three female apprentices in, in working in our business. One of the girls, um, her work was as good a standard as any of our guys have had over the years, and she is self-employed in the industry still. My mother grew up in London during the war as a young girl, and I've always been quite interested in World War II history. In London during World War II, women did a lot of the construction work and building jobs that men had left behind. So I've been sort of lucky that I've always thought there's um, there's no reason why women can't succeed in building. You know, with the way um, our industry, different industries are competing for staff these days, uh, I think it's a no-brainer to, to look at it the right you know it's, it's about the right person not about correct not gender so <laughs> so for employers um and just speaking generally again have a look at getting some um female apprentices and try to get one up to the nationals if you can mm-hmm. why not good guidance um, so, guys, we've got our uh, national event coming up on the 14th and 15th of November this year. So, understand that involves the you'll do the interviews for the for the finalists, and then they've also got their practical event. Is that right? It's the other way around. So, they're doing the practical on day one, and then the interviews are on day two with the awards night um, on the evening of the second night. And at the uh, awards night, are, are you boys scrubbed up? Have you got the black tie on? What's happening? Not quite oh, black tie. Smart casual. <laughs> casual, but it's, you know, no, we get scrubbed up. We do our best with Dave. He's a bit of a... a, bit of a... <laughs> is, that, is that what they call a rough diamond? He's a rough diamond. He's, a, yeah. he's a good guy, though. <laughs> got it, but he does he does wear pants. Yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, that's, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been to the uh, Apprentice of the Year. I went to the um, House of the Year event in Auckland, uh, was that two weekends ago? Um, and that was a great night. Had a really, really good time connecting with a lot of the people in the industry at that. So, yeah. Well, you're Auckland-based. You've got no excuse not to come down. And and now that I know there's no uh, age cap, maybe I'll uh, get myself on the uh, entry list for next year. Why not? They're, they're a slick event. The, the girls, Master Builder girls do a great job of these. Uh, and they're a slick event. And, and yeah, it's another. Um, the thing about the competition is just fun to be involved in. Yeah. Hey, guys, thanks so much for sharing your insights about the Apprentice of the Year event. Again, thank you for your personal contributions and uh, all the volunteer hours you put into doing it and uh, the insights you've given us and the encouragement to uh, our participants this year, not only at the regionals, but through to our, our grand finalists. Uh, we look forward to hearing how they're going. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Pleasure, Ryan. Cheers. Awesome. Thank you.